Good morning. morning. Good to be here. I'm Joan Hogan welcoming you to the Prairie Dock Radio Program. Rick Holm, our Prairie Dock, is in the studio ready to answer your questions of a medical nature. Dr. Holm's specialty is internal medicine. He's a primary care physician with the Avira Medical Group Brookings and a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota Sanford School of Medicine. Good morning, Dr. Holm. Good morning, Joan Hogan. And we're so happy to welcome uh, by radio or by telephone and radio, amazing, our guest today is Lon Keitlinger, who is the South Dakota State Epidemiologist. Welcome, Lon. Good morning from Pierre. Hi. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Keitlinger. Uh, we were going to talk about the issues that will be addressed tomorrow night on um, on call with the Prairie Doc TV, and that is specifically sexual issues, sexual infections, and so on. But and that's why we asked you to join us because uh, you are our state expert, and there's lots of, of of issues to discuss. But the question I have before we start is that of the Zika virus. Uh, you've been in the news. I've heard you on the the radio periodically. Uh, would you like to share with us anything about the state's perspective on the Zika virus? Rick, uh, Zika virus is transmitted by a, a mosquito, the Aedes uh, aegypti mosquito, and that's a tropical mosquito. So we're not going to have endemic, homegrown uh, Zika virus here in South Dakota. We're pretty darn safe then for that one, but there are other illnesses that can be spread by the mosquito, right? Well, yeah, and we're, we're, we're in South Dakota, we're the national hotspot for West Nile, so that's our problem here. But with Zika, people are at risk if they travel. If they travel south uh, into the Caribbean, Mexico, Central and South America, so we're just asking travelers to take precautions and we're able to test uh, pregnant women if they actually do travel and come back but uh, w- you know our big worry here is West Nile during the summer and summer is upon us so in a month or so we'll be in the midst of West Nile season here in the state. Uh, before we go on to uh, other issues uh, if I'm a guy traveling to an endemic area where the Zika virus may occur, the big mosquitoes uh, that can carry it. Uh, And my wife is looking to get pregnant, but she's not going to travel down there. Uh, Do I need to be concerned about getting the Zika virus and carrying it back to her? Yes, you do. There there have been about uh, 10 documented cases of sexual transmission of Zika virus now here in the United States. So what you need to do is for eight weeks after you return, whether you've been sick or not, you need to abstain from sex or use a condom. Okay. Well, those are the issues that I wanted to make sure we talked about. Um, and I, uh, one other comment about uh, West Nile. I mean, what is the West Nile virus uh, illness like? West Nile, well, 80% of the people don't get sick at all. So a lot of us have West Nile, we've been infected, uh, but we don't get sick. The other 20%, uh, it's fever, it's rash, it's uh, your glands swell up. Uh, you just feel lousy, a headache. Uh, and about 1% or 2% of us get encephalitis or meningitis. It gets really, really bad. Here in South Dakota so far, uh, we've had, oh gosh, uh, about 700 people hospitalized with West Nile in the past 15 years, and we've had 32 deaths. So our big deal 
our big mosquito-borne illness in South Dakota is West Nile, not so, Zika. Right, so we have plenty of reason to to avoid those mosquitoes. I think, you know, not going out in the uh, outside uh, exposure without uh, adequate coverage, uh, particularly in the late the evening as the sun is setting or in the morning as the sun is rising, wouldn't you say, uh, is the most important time to avoid the mosquitoes? That's right. Um, the mosquitoes that transmit West Nile, they're night biters. So um, if you're outside at night, if you're working in your yard or just sitting out there or recreating, use mosquito repellent, uh, wear long pants. Night biters. Okay, well, let's take that. Joan, you want to take, a, take you know, us out? You know, if it's all right with you, Lon, we're going to take a break for about uh, 30 seconds, and when we return, we'll discuss the issue that's of importance to Dr. Holm. here ready to answer your questions for medical nature and on the telephone we have uh dr lon keitlinger who is the south dakota state epidemiologist welcome back dr keitlinger Thank you. so uh, i know that we can talk about uh, a, a variety of infectious illnesses that are carried uh, by sexual activities to include trichomonas scabies hepatitis uh, uh, chlamydia gc syphilis uh, uh, human papillomavirus, uh, 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 HIV and AIDS, herpes, just to name a few. Uh, but uh, in South Dakota, we have a heightened awareness of which particular uh, uh, sexually transmitted illness uh, that we need to be uh, more aware of. Well, the big four are, and these are the ones that we uh, track and that we have been tracking for a long time, are HIV, uh, AIDS, uh, gonorrhea, chlamydia, and syphilis. And right. uh, they're all up. They're all increased um, this year. So, what what do you think that's happening? Why 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 is it on uh, on the rise? Oh, Rick, I don't know. You know, so, some of this stuff is just so perplexing. We we we, we track the numbers, and uh, for example, gonorrhea is up a lot. So far this year, uh, the first four months of this year, we've had over 400 cases of um, uh, gonorrhea reported in South Dakota, and that's as many as we had in all of 2010. So in just a quarter or a third of the year, we've had as many as a full year just a, a few years ago. So our numbers are up, and I, I really don't know why. Other indicators are down. We um, do uh, the high school surveys on health, and one of the questions in there is about sex. And those numbers are down. Our high schoolers aren't any more sexually active than they were back um, in five or ten years ago. Um, I, I, I honestly don't know why. I know I see what's happening. We track that, but I do not know why. All right. Uh, do, do you think that condom use has anything uh, to do with it? I mean, are people using condoms less? Well, you know, I, I don't have an exact number on that, but, you know, obviously not. Obviously not. You know, there's just more, more bug floating around. And what, what, one of the things that we you know, often consider is um, the access that people have to social media. And there's all these 
sites on social media where people can just hook up anonymously and it's like, well, what am I going to do tonight? I don't know. Let me just say I want to have a little fun. You, you punch your your ID in there and you say, let's meet up at such and such a place and then you go out and do it. So, And you don't know really who. You just, I don't know, it's a one-night stand or something. So this whole social media thing, that's just changing the dynamic. Isn't but um, that's the health department don't have a good handle on that. Yeah, that's a fascinating concept that the social media has increased the sexual activity uh, between the young people. They say that 50% of all new infections occur between the 15 and 24-year-old um, across the United States. Is that the same way in well, South Dakota? Well, what we're seeing here is a little bit different this year. Our, for our, our, our gonorrhea cases, uh, the, the older young people have uh, surpassed the younger young people. For example, this year so far, we've had 200 cases in that uh, 25 to 39 year old age group and that's that's the young professionals people are out of college by then and that's compared to 184 cases in the 15 to um, 24 year year old age group so we're having relatively fewer cases in the high schoolers and college kids and more in that young professional group so i don't know exactly what that means on the ground and in social media but that's what the numbers are. And then chlamydia, it's the other way around. Our vast majority of cases are in that uh, 15 to 24-year-old age group. So our high schoolers and our college-age kids are the ones um, with chlamydia. So it's, it's different dynamics going on there. And for syphilis, you know, that's a whole different um, situation. That's uh, even older yet. But um, Right. Some, was, some uh, say that the syphilis epidemic rose in South Dakota because of the of the oil uh, business that popped up in northern western South Dakota do you think do you think no, that that's the case no that's not true that's not true we've got um, our own homegrown syphilis right here in South Dakota homegrown syphilis we don't have to blame it on outsiders huh <laughs> it's right here yeah yeah we you know we used to blame it on outsiders all the time back in the 1990s and the early 2000s when we had maybe zero, one or two cases a year, and then it would always be somebody, they'd go to the big city, off to Minneapolis, off to Denver, off okay. to oh, yeah, L.A. Yeah. or something, then yeah. they'd come back, and then we'd <laughs> be able to just nip it in the bud right there and get all their contacts treated and snuff it out. But now it's homegrown South Dakota syphilis, and this has been going on now for, uh, oh gosh, about five or six years. When you mention homegrown South Dakota, geographically, is it uh, more prevalent in any part of the state or just straight across the state? Um, right now, this year, um, so far, we've had 14 cases of syphilis, and uh, 10 of those cases are in the Sioux Falls, the greater Sioux Falls area. So it's, it's, uh, it's all around us. So yeah. uh, uh, the interesting thing about chlamydia and GC is that um, they can cause... Uh, a lot loss of ability to have babies in the future you know uh, and uh, my question is of course the to get it treated right away so that people do not become infertile uh, the question I would have 
to you is uh, how resistant are the new organisms that we're running into, the new chlamydia, the new gonorrhea uh, to our antibiotics? Well, yeah, the treatment guidelines have changed here in the past year or so. And so it's been stepped up. We haven't seen resistance in South Dakota as such. And what we're told is the resistance usually starts on the coast, east coast to the west coast, and then moves inland. Um, so we're not, uh, and, you know, frankly, we're not tracking that that carefully, but we're really not seeing it. And we're not blaming our increase in cases on resistance. We're just blaming it on you know, more people having more unprotected sex. So, uh, you know, of course, not to be saying one word in favor or against uh, the condom, uh, but I'm going to ask you your opinion as a epidemiologist about the value and the importance of condoms in preventing infection how effective are they well we have three you know three measures that we you know always talk about and the first is abstinence you know that's the best you're not going to get it if you're abstinence not having sex and the second is monogamy a long-term mutually monogamous relationship with somebody who's negative and then if those two aren't quite for your lifestyle and then we go to the condoms and then what we ask people to do is to use condoms all the time. You just can't use condoms on Friday night and then not use them on Tuesday and Wednesday night. You have to use them all the time, and you have to use them correctly. Uh, and they're not 100%, but they're Pretty very, good. very, very good. So, a lot better than nothing. Yeah, well, a way lot better than nothing. So that's your alternative. It's abstinence, monogamy, or condoms. Okay. Uh, we need to take a break uh, first. W- would you hang on with us, or do you need to go, Lon? Well, i got to go pretty soon, but I can, I can go another round with you. Okay. okay, very good. We'll be back right after these words. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We're happy to have you listening today. Dr. Rick Holm is here with me in the studio, and on the phone we have Dr. Lon Keitlinger, who is the South Dakota State Epidemiologist. We have been talking about sexual diseases and i would love to know if there's anything positive we can say is there any well is this it sounds good like a spin on this this is de- really a are, downer are you a debbie downer is that what you are well i you know my sense is that information is power i mean uh, uh, there is danger out there that's the truth we need to be aware of it all of us need to be aware of it and uh protect ourselves so that we can stay healthy that's a positive thing right staying healthy lon i would ask you there's been some word about nursing home um, sexually transmitted infections uh and uh i've read it someone asked me the other day and i was taken aback because i haven't heard about it in any of the nursing homes that i've cared where i where i go and uh, i wonder if you have any comments about nursing home sex oh gosh Rick, I, you know, we've had a few cases, you know, not necessarily in nursing homes, but with uh, um, gentlemen in their late 70s, and I guess it's just a part of the um, the new risk in the Viagra era. Yeah. But I, you know, I'd, I'd have to go ask our STD coordinator if we've had any 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 in the nursing homes. I I don't know 
for sure, but we have had some, you know, fairly elderly people with some STDs. Yes. You know, I, I uh, have not heard of it either. Well, uh, and, it's, and, and, and it's a young person uh, situation where we're really not targeting the old people. We're, we're, you know, the cases that are coming in are young people, young, healthy folks. Right, but there, I, I, I will say, and I've read in the literature, as, and particularly as I prepared for this uh, discussion that we had, and we recorded this uh, a while ago for tomorrow night, so it's a pre-recorded show. Um, but uh, on preparing for this, there is increasing incidence of uh, sexually transmitted infections in the as the as you are pointing out in the Viagra uh, uh, workings of the mature population, particularly as they're traveling. You know, they go to Arizona and Texas for the winter and, um, and, and this kind of thing. They're newly widowed or widowers, and they're, they're getting active uh, sexually, which is actually, in my mind, and I'm going to raise this to Debbie Downer over there, that's a good thing. It is a that's good a thing. It's a wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah. But we just have to be careful. And if you're going to... Um, uh, find a new friend that you're going to be interactive with. It, you might make a deal. I'll make you a deal. I'll get tested. You get tested. We'll both be relieved. I'm n- no questions asked. But let's just get tested before well, we start an activity. Yeah. Well, well, you're not advocating prostitution or anything, are you, Rick? No, I'm a- advocating uh, uh, finding a new partner if you lose yours. You know what I mean? I'm thinking that's a good thing. Well, yeah, and this year already with chlamydia, we've had two two uh, of our chlamydia cases are 65 and older, so right. you know, it's it's out there. But now, how did I? What did it sound like prostitution in there? I really didn't mean to imply such a thing. <laughs> no, but um, I do think that it's important that if you do find a new partner, that monogamous relationship that you're going to develop as you get older. Uh, if you lose one, that you would that you would get tested. Are well, any of these sexual diseases uh, c- curable, or you just treat them? They're not curable. Oh, they're curable. They are curable. All well, maybe not HIV or AIDS, but gonorrhea, chlamydia, and syphilis you can cure if you've had it once. You can be cured of it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So that's a positive. You get tested. That's a very You positive. have it, and you can. Be you get cured, and then you don't share it. You know, there, uh, of course, there, there, there uh, herpes um, simplex uh, of the genitalia. Uh, that can, uh, uh, that may not be cured always. But um, y- you can certainly know how to not spread it to your partner. And there are meds that you can prevent, uh, that you can use to prevent it from being spreadable. Um, HIV, of course, is not at this point curable although they're they're getting closer and closer uh and um you know uh the rest of them are curable um and what's more one is preventable let's talk about human papillomavirus lon well absolutely human papillomavirus we ha- now have a vaccine for that uh it's called the hpv the vaccine gardasil is one of the brand names uh that's been out there for about 10 years now and it's starting to show remarkable results. Um, what uh, studies, not in South Dakota, but in other states, have, have, have shown that uh, people, women with uh, the HPV vaccine, uh, their pap smears, they're having far, far fewer, significantly fewer 
um, precancerous cells in that. So we're starting to reap, reap the benefits of that. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's great. It's, it's, uh, they've, they've called them venereal warts. But what they are, the, the, the same kind of warts that you get, you can have on your hands or your feet, uh, but they happen in the genital areas. And uh, certain kinds of those warts, because there's a whole bunch of different kinds of warts, uh, when they're spread to the cervix of the woman, um, the, the, the can cause cervical cancer. And we can prevent those with a, um, a uh, vaccination. But there's been resistance because uh, parents are reluctant to give that vaccine to their daughters and sons because they, it implies that they would be, therefore, less uh, inclined to uh, be uh, monogamous or less inclined to, to not have sex. I mean, if they, if they can have the vaccine, then, then they'll be more free with their sex, and that's been proven not correct, right? Right. That... that you know, just hasn't panned out. I don't know. There was some initial hysteria about that, but I think that's that's uh, calmed down quite a bit. What's the age group now that we're suggesting the HPV vaccine? Um, started um, uh, age. Oh gosh, I think twelve is twelve or thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's a series of uh, three shots uh, that people should be getting. And um, what we found here in South Dakota, for girls at least, and, and this is last year, um, we only had 23.5% uh, of our girls had the HPV shot. Uh, so we have some education going there, right? Needed. We do. We do. And the boys need it just as well. Yes. And uh, I have to say that um, the idea that your children will never... Uh, have a sexual partner at uh, some time in their lives. Somewhat naive. Is a naive <laughs> comment. Right. You know what I mean? We, need, we, we are hoping that, that they will have that human experience sometime in a safe manner and preferably monogamously, but that, that we want them to become a, you know, sexually active at one time, unless they go into the, the, the Catholic Church <laughs> leadership. There's but lim- that's limits, another but story. overall, that's another story. We won't go there. So education, a little bit more education is needed there to get more women, young girls and boys to get this vaccine, right? right. We've it's only got about 20% vaccine. of our population so far so in that age group. All so right. don't miss uh, watching your uh, your interaction uh, tomorrow night on South Dakota Public Broadcasting, Lon, and thank you so much for joining us do you want to is there any bottom line or take-home message you want to make sure that uh you leave with us uh yeah just as far as zika west nile um, the sexually transmitted uh, diseases please everybody enjoy yourself enjoy your summer but please take precautions in all respects in everything you do and uh have a good summer thank you thank you we'll take our final break we'll be back but we'll let you go dr keitlinger Hi, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Joan Hogan here with Dr. Rick Holm. Dr. Keitlinger has left us, but we do appreciate his uh, input on this important topic. Before the program began, we had a woman in our listening audience call in with a question. We're sorry to have kept you waiting, but we'll get to your question right now. She said she's 65 years old and would like to know what is the purpose of a stress test on a treadmill? 
Is there a test that shows damage to the heart if she's already had a heart attack and survived? So I guess that's two questions. Okay, let's, let's take it for one. It's not the greatest test in the world. It's like 80% of sec, uh, successful. If you take a person who doesn't have any si- uh, symptoms whatsoever, it will, m- it will miss 20% if there is coronary disease. And it will cause people to think that there's something abnormal in a fairly large percentage. So for a screening test for a person, it's to prove whether there's coronary disease or not, it's not very good. It is, however, markedly better than the calcium index testing that they use with a CAT scan on your chest. In other words, that's a crappy test. The stress test is okay, but it misses a fair amount. Now, so why would you do a stress test? You could consider it uh, in a case where a person um, is having symptoms and that might be heart disease. That's when it's helpful. Uh, particularly in a, in a woman uh, who is having an unusual kind of chest pain, you can do a, a cardiolite portion, a nuclear portion, and that'll, be very, that'll help it. If you're doing it in a guy who is having typical chest pain uh, that could be heart, I'm getting it when I'm exercising. It goes away when I rest. Actually, when a guy's got those symptoms, you skip the stress test. You go do the angiogram. When a guy has an atypical pain, I'm not sure I'm having chest pain from heart. I get it when I'm running, but I kind of get it a little short. It's with a shortness of breath. I get a little shortness of breath when I exert myself, maybe more than I should. I have chest pain that happens when I'm sitting or I'm, you know, I just don't know. An atypical chest pain in a man, that means a stress test. Okay. Okay. With or with, probably without cardiolite. Cardiolite isn't really important in a man. You really want to put them on the thing, see how they can do. And I'll commonly use a stress test when a person is having uh, a plan to go out and just really get into an exercise. And they're 40, 50, 60. You know, a guy who wants to go out and really start exercising, uh, you can know that they may get into trouble. And if they're a little worried and there's coronary disease in their family, okay, I'll stress test them. I don't use cardiolite in them. I use cardiolite in women. I'll use cardiolite in a guy when it's really atypical. So it's a complicated story. Are we out of time? We, we just really ran are. out of time. My we gosh, I went too long. I'm sorry, Bob. We do appreciate the question coming in. We have run out of time, and we hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program. We'll listen again for Prairie Doc brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. As always, you can hear and see more from Dr. Holm at prairiedoc.org. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Dr. Holm. Thank you, Joan. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Ron Keitlinger, and stay healthy out there. People. And so we will see Dr. Keitlinger then tomorrow night? Well, he is not on the show. He will be calling in, I believe. Okay. And uh, we'll have him on on the phone. We have an expert. Uh, actually, we have an expert from Texas who has written a book on uh, uh, STIs. They call them sexually transmitted infections, not sexually transmitted diseases anymore STDs which replaced VD so I mean it's been changed it's evolving like the resistance of the organisms themselves you know it'll be an interesting program tomorrow night 7pm South Dakota Public Television thank you I'm Bob I'm Paul Medical Radical join us a pleasure 
Thank you, Bob, and we hope our listeners have enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and will listen again for Prairie Doc, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. As always, you can hear and see more from Dr. Holm online at prairiedoc.org. Thank you for joining us today.